It's been over a year now since In The Key of Q launched. In our archive, you can find over 50 interviews of queer musicians from around the world and hear their music from rap Unaware of my proclivities to self-sabotage to country to kiss me soul and rock. These episodes are available on the main feed. You can access them via the website at inthekeyofq.com or wherever you normally listen to podcasts. Hello, it's Dan here. Several of you have already rated the pod five stars on your podcast providers, and so I must say a huge, huge thank you. And a special thanks to Apple Music user, I'm sorry I don't know how to say the name, but it's spelled P-L-P-L-O-L, who describes this show as a breath of fresh air. It's really lovely to read your reviews and get feedback. Reviews and ratings help bring the show to the attention of other podcast listeners. Let's really help spread awareness of these great queer artists that are featured. If you wish to help keep In The Key Of Q in production, please go visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash in the key of Q. In return for your generosity, there's all sorts of exclusive content. In this upcoming episode, I'm speaking with Jay Sky. His most recent release is 2021 six-track EP A La Mode, which features his most recent single, Want You. Jay Sky manages to be straight-talking without being opinionated and insightful but not dictatorial. You can hear him host a show on Gadio every Monday between 7 and 9 p.m. And of course, he also has his own podcast, Jay Sky Chat, which is available in all the usual places. Enjoy the episode. I think a lot of the problems in terms of our body image that people might have come from a lack of visibility. Um, we don't often see a range of body types reflected back as desirable in any shape or form. It's usually, especially in the, in the gay community, it's, it's either one thing or another. It's usually like a, a ripped guy, someone with massive pecs, and, and that is it. That's all that masculinity can be. Hello, it's Dan Hall. I love popular music and have spent most of my life translating heteronormative content onto my gay experience. But I think it's time I stopped translating. And so I'm speaking to musicians from around the world who mirror and inspire my queer experience. Welcome to In The Key Of Q. And I'm delighted to welcome for this episode, the Manchester-based musician and how would you describe yourself, artist as well? Oh, absolutely, all of the above. I've been called a lot of things in my life. (laughs) I am 33 years of age. I am from Manchester. I like to wear clothes which say something. I like to make music that makes you feel something. And I also like to put out a good message into the world. So I've been a host on a Channel 4 show called Naked Beach, which was all about learning to love yourself no matter your shape or size. I also appeared on first dates. And again, I like to make people feel loved. I love Manchester. I'm a proud Mancunian. It's a a very diverse city and... You know, we, we do do things a lot differently around here. If we don't like something, we make it known. Where do you get this uh, very positive relationship 
to clothing because it's something I don't have. And so I, I genuinely look with admiration at people who manage to have a successful relationship with clothes. Because to me, clothing is something that I just wear to not be naked. Because going to clothes shops, I just feel fat and horrible in them. And I just want to get out. It starts with the conversation you have with yourself and how you view yourself. For me, the second I realized that I was who I was, I thought, you know what? Well, it's about time I did what I want and just face the world as my true authentic self. And I don't always get it right, but as long as I can go out into the world believing that, you know what, I'm having fun here. We're all a work in progress. We can all make mistakes. Clothing's not that deep. And if a, if a piece of clothing makes you feel better about yourself, I say wear it as long as you're not offending anybody too much. And um, sometimes it's, it's good to, to shake the game up a little bit, make people question what makes a man a man or what makes a woman a woman and what masculinity really is. And, and, and have a little bit more sass with it. Like I, I like statement pieces, but at the same time, clothing at its core it should make you feel better about yourself because that's how you present yourself to the world that is your armor even for someone like me who sort of thinks oh i don't understand clothes even i can see that even if i put on a nice pair of shoes somehow there's a lift there's a lift in the confidence and i think as, as queer people confidence is is something that often we can have real issues with it's because we're still searching for an acceptance that is has been often denied for so long um and we have to almost live our youth twice because once we discover who we are it's like life almost starts again for us and we have to quickly adapt to an, a new way of living which we weren't always prepared for and clothing is a further extension of that there's a real truth in that that we sort of have to live our adolescence twice yeah because I think often the first time around, we were in the closet or we were frightened or we were in quite oppressive spaces. So we sort of have to almost be a perpetual teenager for a while, just while we uh, catch up the ground. My mum's side of the family is heavily religious. My dad's side of the family is extremely masculine. And I was brought up around situations which were, were tense in terms of... Um, conflict between what makes a man a man and, and that sort of thing so for me as I learned to discover myself as soon as I realized I was I was at university at the time I thought I need to let them know straight away because if it goes wrong at least I've got somewhere where I'm safe it was a shock for them and it's taken some getting used to obviously parents have a totally different idea of the child that they want you to be and then it's a case of adjusting to the person that they've actually got and I'm not one to, once I've decided something, I'm not gonna to, to tone it down in any way. I am not the same, I am not the same. This is not a game for me, said it's not the game. Said it's not the game. I am not the same, I am not the same. This is not a game for me, said it's not the game. Said it's not the game. I'm from a footballing family, my, my brother um, was was scouted quite early to play semi-professional. My my dad played with my uncles and my brother every weekend. I'd be on the sideline. I'd go to the matches. Um, I went on tour with them. I was the mascot at one point. Um, and then on my on my mum's side of the family, I'd go to to church with my nana on the on Sundays. And I used to love going to church with my nana. The music there was so good. My nana was in the choir. They had a full band. Um. I learned so much from the stories, like when the preacher would preach, I'd always feel like he was speaking directly to me and I'd, I'd learn lessons from parables and I'd love, I'd love the music so much. It was incredible. 
we've had a lot of guests on the show talking about the conflicting relationship they had with religious spaces, certainly conflicting when it came to their queer identity. Yeah. It sounds like that didn't really apply to you. Well, I didn't know that I was gay until I was at university. I'd had thoughts of it and I thought I could control them. So to be honest, when I was at church, there's probably people I did look at and fancy, but I never acted on it. I did anything. So that was never really an issue for me. When I first told my nana that I was gay, the first thing she said was, it's a sin. And I replied, well, so is divorce because she's divorced. And it's just conversations like that, which make people realize, well, actually, we can all learn. We can all we can all change our mind about things. We don't have to cancel people. Cancel culture is a big thing at the moment where someone said something offensive. Therefore, we can never, ever support them ever again. They don't deserve access to jobs or to food or to popularity. It's like, no, people are allowed to make mistakes. I make mistakes every day. Why should I be forgiven and someone else not get the chance to learn something either? I think we just need to be more open to the idea of growing as people. Before I learned how to dress loud, I always did music. When I was a child, my mum would find ways to entertain me by just saying, oh, write me a poem. So I was always writing poems and I was always in the library. So I was a bit of a geek. And um, I just think that I'm an entertainer at heart. So any opportunity to, to show something creative that I've done, it was just my forte. As I got older, I, I used to make music on my PlayStation. I had a, a program called Music 2000 and I'd, I'd make my own songs. And back in the day, there was a company I saw in the back of a magazine that would they'd let you post your memory card and they'd put your songs on a CD. So I'd get my instrumentals back on a CD that I'd made on a PlayStation. And then I'd, I'd hire a recording studio. There was a really cheap one um, at a school near me. So I'd, I'd spend £15 an hour. I'd, I'd, they'd only let you book a minimum of three hours and I'd, I'd take my CD and I'd record songs like that and they weren't that good but the fact was I'd written the lyrics I'd made the music and I'd sang it myself and for like 14 years old that was pretty incredible as far as my parents were concerned I got a Bachelor of Science in Popular Music Production and I learnt more about it and I met a lot of people and producers and I was in bands and stuff when I was at college even I, I auditioned to be in boy bands and a lot of the time well all of the time I was never successful but they'd take the mick and they wouldn't really treat me like I was I was a true person to be considered it was just like why is he here why do you think that was because I didn't have the typical boy band look at the I didn't have what they were looking for like they weren't really too bothered about whether I could sing or not it was about what what range you were in and I'm I've got quite a deep voice so that was me roast off and it was whether your face fitted and it didn't. So like on both counts, it's like, why is he here? And, they, and auditions back in the day, they weren't very polite. They was just like, they, got, they just got what they wanted and they didn't really show too much love for anyone else. Back in the day, I was looking for someone else to make it happen for me. And now I'm at a point where like, I don't have to ask anyone's permission. I, it's my money. I can save and work and I can do what I like with it. So if I can find someone who will work for me and make music for me how I want, I'll do that. And then I can record it and I can pay to release it independently. Like I don't need to ask anyone else's permission. And that's, that's the message here. If you want to do something, you can look for help and support. But if you don't get it, that doesn't mean you can't do it. I'm not like your fans on Instagram. I know who will be and I know who I am. It's like you think I'm stupid or something. You literally.
specialist and just say messy to me and my mate. And you thought I wouldn't know it's like Manchester's always been exciting. When I went to university, I went to Huddersfield and I really got to make my mark on that city. Oh, city. It's more of a town than a city. And um I brought out calendars. I really wanted to leave a legacy there. So I, I did Huddersfield University girls calendars and guys calendars and it got in the press and, and I did my own student nights and I ran um, a bar crawl called Carnage. Like It was like Hollyoaks, that town, because the students really had full control over it. And um, because I'd gotten with some popular and good looking girls by doing the calendars at university, I was able to get into the nightlife scene quite easily. At first, I started off by doing photography for the events. Um, at the time, I had a rather large afro, and I was quickly asked to model at one of the VIP events. And um, I'd network through that scene. I'd make friends with people off TV. I'd blog about it. Um, so I quickly made a name for myself. You follow the steps. Um, you listen for the clues. And if something feels like that's the path for you, you, you go down it. I'd get the, the tram to Manchester. And that whole journey of walking to the tram and just being such a target with the way that I dress and getting heckled on the streets. But I felt like I had an opportunity to really change people's perceptions. And also, why should people be treated differently because of how they dress? I go to work Monday to Friday in a suit and people will hold doors open for me in shops and call me sir. But then at the weekend, I'm getting all of this abuse from total strangers. It didn't make sense to me. I'm the same person. And I just felt empowered to, to try and do more. And sometimes the best way to do more is to be more. And you'll get people who go, oh, well, do you know what? Jason, if you don't want people to shout at you, you shouldn't wear those outfits. And I just think, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it, you know, that is one step away from saying, well, you know, you did wear a short skirt. It's a shame, but again, it's, we are learning our own ways. It's a shame, though, sometimes that people don't learn a little bit more quietly. <laughs> but again, it's often the people that shout the loudest that I've got the most issues to deal with. And um, I, I think sometimes people just need healing. Back in the day when I first started going out in Manchester, the gay scene in Manchester at the time wasn't very accepting of me, which was bizarre, right? There were a lot of times where they'd say, members only. I don't know if that was because they possibly thought I was straight passing, I don't know how, or perhaps because they didn't want so many black people in their venues, because I have heard stories of them only allowing certain quotas in venues. It doesn't just happen in gay venues, it still happens in straight venues, unfortunately, whereby if there's a certain number of black people in a venue, it gets the association of being a black club. The founder of Manchester Pride decided to introduce to the world the black stripe on the, on the Pride flag. And the outrage that caused, even with some Manchester gay venues posting images of people being sick on it, I mean, we've still got a long way to go. The stripes on this flag aren't supposed to represent the colour of people's skin or anything like that, because people are saying, oh, where's the white stripe and things like that. And at first I was like, I didn't really understand the point of it, but the reaction, it showed me the point of it in that, yeah, people still have an issue. It's weird, you would expect racism to not exist within the gay community because we've been oppressed ourselves, but it's still there. And um, a lot of it comes from our own pain and, and trying to have some sort of power. But at the same time, it doesn't help us as people.
Hey, this is John from the Song Surfing Podcast. Song Surfing is a playlist of independent music pulled from the far reaches of the internet. I've been searching for music on Bandcamp, SoundCloud, Spotify, Slaps, Audius, Instagram, and a few others. And in each episode of Song Surfing, I present some excellent tunes by a diverse group of interesting independent artists. So if you like to discover new artists and explore some music from around the world, then come Song Surfing with me. Song Surfing is available on all podcast apps, as well as Spotify and Amazon. When I first was was making a bit of a, a stir in the scene and, and started to get popular, there were so many well, celebrities and female models and girls that were like saying, will you be my, oh, I've always wanted a gay best friend, will you be my gay best friend, do I come shopping with me and things like that. And I was never drawn to people that said that. And people used to call me crazy because of the way I would act. If someone was to ask if to be my gay best friend, I was, I was always like quite rude back to them about it. And people didn't understand like me kicking off saying like, I'm not your pet. Like I'm not here for you. Like I don't, what, are you I'm supposed not, to be grateful? <laughs> like I'm not that one. I'm not prepared to, to diminish myself to make you feel cool. Like you've got the latest accessory. I, I know that I'm I'm lucky and I'm blessed because I get to do what I like doing. Like I was told I couldn't do it. I was told I couldn't sing. And yet now I can do it whenever I like. I've got a microphone in my house. Why were they saying that to you? Who were these people? And, and why do you think they were doing it? Uh, <laughs> these are people that were considered friends. Um, and the truth is, I don't even know if they ever really were, to be honest, because I... One of the ways I, I managed to make it was to separate myself from from thoughts like that and from people that thought and spoke like that. I'm all right for a little bit of discussion about could I do something better? Could this be improved? But if someone's flat out answer is you're wasting your time, who are you trying to kid? You're just an office worker. <laughs> Those sort of, it's like I don't want to. I don't want to engage because there is no engagement with that. That's just um, very dismissive. You could say, well why should I listen to you? You don't have authority over my life. I get to make the decisions for me. If I listen to you and I'm not happy, that's my fault. But yeah. end of the day, this is my life. So Jay Sky, one of the issues I think that is increasingly common uh, amongst the queer community is there's an unfeasibly high amount of body dysmorphia issues huge amount of eating disorders, far more so than in the general populace. Now, body positivity is something which, which you've been very much involved in, isn't it? Yeah, I was lucky enough to be a host on the Channel 4 show Naked Beach, which encouraged people to learn to love themselves no matter what their shape or size was. Um, I didn't initially realise I had to be naked to be on the show. It was originally going to be called The Beach. But when the, the message and, and the pitch was delivered to me, it, it made perfect sense to, to get involved because I think a lot of the problems in terms of our body image that people might have come from a lack of visibility. Um, we don't often see a range of body types reflected back as desirable in any shape or form. So you have to accept yourself first and put yourself out there in a way where you can be like, look, I'm, I'm beautiful, I'm not big-headed but I'm, I am enough. So what was it about the show then that made you want to go on it? 
initially it did sound like something sensationalist, typical Channel 4 just trying to shock people. But they had some great people involved, like a social scientist called Keon West, who did a lot of important studies around um, the mentality behind thought patterns. And also Natasha Devon, OBA, she fantastic lady who's done so much for encouraging body confidence and like she's someone that I really looked up to. So when I heard they were involved and, and I saw some of the things that they had done, I could see that it was being taken a lot more seriously. Do you feel that we do have a particular toxicity towards bodies and body types within the queer community, more so than maybe in the straight community? I mean, I can't prove it, but I do feel like we possibly do. But that that comes from our own often struggle with accepting ourselves. Um, and because we judge ourselves so harshly, we, we also judge other people so harshly. But that doesn't make anyone happy. One of my perpetual negative relationships that I have is my negative relationships with, you know, grinder and scruff and things like that. You know, you get horny and you load it up. And then, of course, you spend the next couple of weeks just feeling shit about yourself. But in terms of what? Like, what you're looking at an image of someone and you, it's obviously like people can say aesthetically, this is a better body than that. But the purpose of the body is not to look good. It's to keep you alive. If you are looking to be with someone who looks a certain way, that's one thing. But if you're looking for someone that makes you feel a certain way, that's another thing. Happiness should always be the goal. And sometimes because we might have a certain journey to get to where we are, we think that having the perfect body or being with someone that looks a certain way will make the world treat us differently. And it, and it doesn't really. It just makes you feel a little bit better in that moment. But how long does that, that moment last for? I remember watching a video by Oprah Winfrey where she was saying that she reached a part, a part, a part in her career where she believed that she didn't want to be used by television. She wanted to use television for the medium it was to help people. And I think with, with myself, I, I thought, you know what, it can't all be about me. And if I'm having these conflicts, then what happens to the person that's coming up behind me or, or to a child that's growing up in this world? People shouldn't be scared of clothes. People shouldn't be scared of, of being who they are. If I'm in a position to change that by taking the initial brunt of it, and making people look at themselves a little bit differently, then I'm more than happy to do it. I was, I was younger at the time, so I, I was a lot more fearless. Were there any particular tipping points? There was one in particular where there was a, a, there was a table of people in a, in a nightclub. I'm not going to name the nightclub, but I was working there at the time. So this particular night, um, one of the people at the table was being very aggressive towards, towards me. Um, a lot of homophobic slurs, which I'm not going to repeat. And... Um, very intimidating, threatening to, to batter me, to, to do things to me. And uh, I, I told all of the bouncers individually and no one did anything about it. And um, they were saying like, oh, we'll have a word and that sort of thing. And for me, like when, when something, when I know something's not right, I can't ever not do something about that, especially if it's happening to me. But if, yeah. if it's just in general, I, I find it hard not to do something because I, I think when you don't do something about something, that makes you complicit in it. Before I knew, I was, I was telling the manager to do something about it and he spoke to them and then he came back to me and he said, well, we've had a chat 
and they've not they've said they're not going to say anything else now um because and we're not going to chuck them out because they've spent a lot of money here and i just couldn't understand how spending money was licensed to to be so abusive why do you think they didn't value your safety i think it's fear driven so they think that as long as the money's coming in that is more important but that that venue unfortunately has had its moment in the spotlight it was on its decline like it wasn't what it was and for me i'd i'd like to think that that's because the values of it were lost and that's why i didn't stay When I was first going out on the Manchester scene, I'd, I'd have to say to myself, everyone's going to love you. They're going to love your outfit. You look amazing. You're Jay Sky. That sort of thing just keep saying it in my head as I'm, as I'm going towards the, the location. And I'd get there, and they would. And it's not arrogant, it's... Yeah, I think people are scared to love themselves because they think it's arrogant. Arrogance when you use it to put other people down. But if you're doing it to lift other people up, I don't know. I think that's where self-love comes in. How important do you think your queer identity is to your music? I mean, it's definitely part of it. It's not. It's not everything. I think it's important to shine a light and to sh- and to let people accept people. So for me, it's about inviting all audiences to to understand something and to love it. I've got a track on my upcoming EP called Out, and I think a lot of people that have first heard it have thought that it's about going out partying, and it is in a, a lot of ways about going out partying. But I think the gay audience will know exactly what it's about. <laughs> it's about the feeling of accepting yourself and, and when you first come out. And um, it's just things like that where you, I can write lyrics that will appeal to both people and hopefully bring them together through understanding. And there is always a bit of a conflict, isn't there, between um, wanting to make our own statement and have our own tribes, but at the same time not wanting to be exclusive and shut people out. Yes, yes, that's exactly it. I don't want to alienate, alienate anyone. I want people to... To, to enjoy it, but not feel like it's not for them. If you think back, J-Sky, to your 15-year-old self, what do you think they would think about what you're doing with your music? What, did they, what do you think they think about your catalogue? Well, I think the 15-year-old me probably wanted to be like signed to Sony Records or, or towing the line and, and just do whatever it took to be a superstar. But yeah, I think I'm a lot more, more cautious and savvy. So I know I'd be proud of myself. J-Sky, my ambition for this podcast is to introduce our listeners to new queer music and to celebrate that music. But I think often approaching somebody's catalogue when there's a whole lot of songs to listen to can be quite daunting. Yep. So if, uh, if our listening audience had one track of yours to act as a gateway drug into your catalogue, what do you think it should be and why? It'd be the lead song from my EP. Um, it's called Want You. And it's just a, a very nice, catchy R&B pop bop. It's got elements of, of some of the sounds that I like in house music in there, but it's also got a bit of a laid back feel. It's um, mid-tempo, so 
a lot of different audiences should appreciate it for different reasons. I tried to make my EP, which is called Alan Mode, a very fashion forward record um, so that it's something you could possibly imagine. Maybe if you're strutting down the street or on a catwalk or something, just to make you feel a bit better about yourself in, in your everyday life. So there's some records that have got a lot of sass in there. There's some records that have got a lot of self-empowering messages in there. But overall, I just wanted to bring out something that was fun and made you feel good. You know the time I see you in the club that keeps walking by Baby Playing shy Acting tough when you walk inside You know what I mean I want you I need you Got to, got to have you baby Cause you've been on my mind Every single night you got me If you want me You know you drive me crazy, baby Come into my life I make it all so fine I just want you I just want you I just want you Jay Sky, it's been absolutely wonderful to have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for your time. It's been a really good conversation. Brilliant, brilliant. And when things get back to normal and you do come down to London, you must make sure you give a shout because I must buy you a drink to say thank you for your time. Oh, thank you very much. You know, that's my favourite kind of drink, that, a free one. (laughs) (laughs) Many thanks for listening. Check out the show notes for the Spotify playlist that complements this episode. And remember, there's exclusive content over at patreon.com slash in the key of Q. To get in touch, it'll be great to hear from you. The pod's on social media or email me on dan at in the key of Q.com and rate and review the show on your podcast provider. It really, really helps. Our theme tune is by Paulie Nidu at unstoppablemonsters.com. Many thanks to Kajun Kantha and Murray Lang for their support in making this episode. The show is presented and produced by me, Dan Hall, and made at Pup Media Consultancy. See you next Tuesday.